0: name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We come into this church tonight on a very uh, strange Maundy Thursday. That certainly can be said and should be said tonight. Uh, Simply the fact that we are uh, in such a strange place, in such a strange time, uh, should stand out to uh, all of us tonight. There can be no mistake about it that that night in which Jesus gathered with the disciples and which he gathered them together was also a very strange night then, too. But we should not forget the fact that on that particular night, he gathered them together. It should not escape our attention this evening that the events we remember, indeed which we enter into liturgically, are, before they are anything else, gatherings. Even when they're live-streamed, for crying out loud, they're still gatherings. Moses was commanded on several occasions to gather together the people of Israel. On the evening of the Passover, they were to gather as families in their homes, as many families as could afford a lamb. This gathering was to be an everlasting memorial for the people, a feast, a statute. The Passover was not just a memorial in the sense that we use it, but a way of entering into the realities of a God who saves. Today, the Passover is not celebrated in Jewish homes without calling to remembrance the Holocaust and God's saving deeds in the midst of that, nor is it celebrated without looking forward to a future gathering, yes, even in Jerusalem. On that night, the Lord convened his disciples for a final meal. While scholars have have argued endlessly as to what exactly that meal was, it is clear enough that the New Testament provides the most complete first-century account of what a Jewish meal would have been like in those days. The gathering may have been a Passover meal, or a meal of fellowship, or a simple dinner among friends. But whatever it was, the disciples never forgot it. John essentially says that this meal happened before the Passover. He wants it to be clear that the Passover is not the meal which he had with the disciples, but the Passover is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and him crucified, the Lamb who is sacrificed for the sins of the world. The other gospel writers say only that it was a meal, maybe before the Passover, The significance of this cannot be lost on us. We are now feeling and feeling deeply the loss of fellowship and gatherings. How can we be the church? How can the church be the church when she has not gathered together? The very name church means gathering. How can we be friends or families or even young people in love in this time? We know this year something of the sacredness of gathering, of sharing a meal, of being touched by another human being. But not all it was well on that night either. The darkness of sin was crouching at the door. Each of the disciples wondered, am I the one who will betray him? Only one knew that it was, in fact, he who had sold out the Lord Jesus. But the others still wondered, and even as they wondered what the future would hold for Jesus and the band that he had assembled, they likely could not help but think of the past, of Israel's whole history, their history as a people, their family histories. And these three ideas, the past, the present, and the future, came together on that night, simply being in the presence of the Lord who is Israel's past and present and future in himself. Jesus exemplifies this by saying this, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you that I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. At first glance, you might think, he's eating the Passover meal with them before he suffers. Some translations even make this read stand out by how they render it. But a close read of the text is this, and maybe I'm giving away my thought on it, but here it is. Jesus considers the past. He thinks about the past, how he has desired to eat the Passover, the coming Passover with his disciples before he suffered how he has desired to eat the Passover like he ate it as a child and as a young man with his mother, with his father Joseph, with the disciples as well. But if you read closely, you will see that this is not to happen. This is not a Passover meal at all. Jesus will be denied that joy And so he thinks upon the suffering that is before him, coming the very next day, and simultaneously looks forward to a future sharing of this meal in the kingdom of God. A final gathering of the whole people of God, gathered as a hen gathers her brood. The very thing he longs for, gathered as a people endowed with the gift of salvation. If we look closely, we will see that this is not only the case for that night, but it is true every time the Eucharist is celebrated, every time the church gathers. Even when we consider the joy of this mystery, which is itself the source and summit of the Christian life, the joy of fellowship with the Lord in his body and blood, there is still a sense of longing that we should have. A sense in which even the Eucharist is not complete. We must remember the very basics of our confession, which is that there will be a time when sacraments shall cease, when there will be no need of sacraments, because the invisible will be visible and the visible joined to the invisible. We see in a mirror dimly, as Paul says, but then face to face. In this time of social distancing, perhaps what we need to say is not that something is now lacking, but that we're noticing it, perhaps for the first time. The gathered people of God are still marked by sin, still marked by death, still striving for who will be the best, who will be given the glory, just as God's people were on that very night. If you can just admit it, we come to the altar every time with ambition and striving and judgment on our hearts. We come without discerning the Lord's body. Paul's admonition is altogether clear. When we come together, let it not be for judgment. And so I wonder on this night how we, can, how we might be a people Who come together truly, even in this strange state, how we might envision what the future will be like for us, and finally, how we might discern the body on this night. First, we should say that to discern the body in this way is simply to know and believe in the presence of Jesus with us this evening, no matter where we are, present in the body of the church, and yes, present in this sacrament. Tomorrow, the tabernacle will be emptied, the light put out, and this building will be, for one night out of the whole year, just another building. But we will still be the church, still full of the Lord's presence, still the Lord's spirit-animated people, full of his presence, full of his power. Not even a liturgical celebration can revoke that fact. Perhaps we are being called in this time to discern the body in each other, to discern the body in the power of our gathered prayers and the power of Christ's presence in each of us. Even having said that, we should pause to remember that Jesus gives us not a memorial, but his very self, made present to us in the Eucharist, each Monday, Thursday, the church remembers the institution of this sacrament, eager to proclaim that though no longer visible, it is still Christ himself who gathers the church from every tribe and nation and who gathers us still and who gathers his church throughout the world at every turn and in every corner and in every apartment and in every house and in every refugee camp. The Lord is still gathering for himself a people. The second thing we should say on this night is something about the institution of the priesthood. Maundy Thursday has traditionally been the day on which the priests of the church renewed their ordination vows. That did not happen this year except through a live stream in our diocese. This was a great loss, to not be able to be together during this Holy Week. I miss having lunch with my fellow priests. I was almost sitting there like, this is really strange tonight, really strange today. But I want to say one thing about that. What joins the priest to Jesus Christ is not merely an ordination, but to stay with him, as he says, in his trials, to enter into his sufferings. Indeed, this is the identity of the whole church as a priestly people, to be with the Lord Jesus in his trials as he is persecuted, as he endures hunger, as he suffers from cold and nakedness, even as he is crucified. The church has in every age been with Jesus in his trials as his body, suffering with Jesus and Jesus suffering with his church. During this time of pandemic, we must be reminded that the Lord draws near to those who are suffering with those who are hurt and those who are brokenhearted. To be with the suffering, to be with the sick, to be with the brokenhearted is what Jesus taught his disciples and what he still teaches his church, especially during this time when all that being with can mean is to draw near to these in prayer and in fasting. On this night, the Lord calls attention to the youngest, to the servant, to the one who avoids pride of place, who mortifies his own pride and vainglory, and who humbly serves. This is at the heart of where Monday Thursday gets its name, that of the mandatum, the new commandment, that we love one another, not just by washing feet, but by humble, self-giving service, and not just to our fellow Christians, but even to Jesus himself. Many will watch with Jesus this night for an hour in remembrance of his call. And don't miss it. What you are doing is offering him a service as a servant to simply be with him. On this night, I am deeply humbled to be a servant of the servants of God, a parish that takes service to the suffering and service to one another very seriously. May the Lord's love increase among us. Finally, we should be reminded on this evening that we look forward to a future in God's kingdom, in his sight and seeing no longer dimly but face to face. We look forward to a time when God is all in all, when he will be all in all truly, no longer hidden in sacraments, no longer veiled from sight, when all of our sighings and longings and hungers are satisfied, when we no longer look about ourselves, asking who is the greatest, wondering simultaneously, is it I, Lord? No longer turning on the TV and being baffled by the evil that we see, We remember on this evening the salvation offered to us from the cross. We think upon our status as beloved children and think with eager longing for the salvation that is to be revealed. In this time, this should become abundantly clear. We look not to the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen, which alone can save us in this time of fear and disease. In the coming week, indeed this very weekend, our nation will be marked by a peak in COVID-19 deaths. The projections are that on the peak day, which will be Holy Saturday, our nation will be over 9,000 ICU beds short. 9,000 beds short. That means that 9,000 people will be in hospitals and unable to get a bed in the ICU, Thousands who need ventilators will not be able to get them. 2,200 Americans will die of this disease on that day. And yet, even in the midst of this crisis, the Lord is gathering disciples to himself, gathering the church to himself, gathering the church to love and to be loved by him giving himself to them as a servant, drawing his church to witness in prayer and in worship, and at the right hand of the Father, looking forward to that day when he will eat the Passover with us. This triduum, do not miss the glory of this. Jesus Christ has gathered us to himself and he is with us. Even in the midst of crisis, even in the midst of death. And we look forward to a time when he will be perfectly with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.